This episode of Ministry Monday is sponsored by Alan Organ. Alan Organ, pioneers of digital sound technology, is celebrating 50 years since their introduction of the world's first digital church organ. Allen Genesis organs with new Apex technology combine the most advanced tone generation technology with massive memory storage and processing power, resulting in the industry's purest pipe-like sound. Apex, along with Allen's world-renowned support and longevity, sets the new standard for digital organ building. To learn more about Apex, visit allenorgan.com. From NPM, the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, this is episode 159 of Ministry Monday. Ministry Monday is a weekly podcast about music, ministry, and liturgy produced by the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, or NPM. What is NPM? NPM is a national association that fosters the art of musical liturgy. The members of NPM serve the Catholic Church in the United States as musicians, clergy, liturgists, and other leaders of prayer. For more information, go to npm.org forward slash join. Have a question? Email us anytime at ministrymonday at npm.org. Hello, and welcome to Ministry Monday. I am your host, Amanda Bruce. If you're new to the podcast, hello, we are so glad that you're tuning in with us. Each week, Ministry Monday offers a podcast episode for the church music minister on topics that seek to help you learn, grow, challenge, and inspire. If you haven't done so already, I encourage you to please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts each week. And hey, thanks for joining us. This month, Ministry Monday is offering a three-part series about Tizay music. We began the series with reflections by David Anderson, editor-at-large for GIA Publications and director of music and liturgy at Ascension Catholic Church in Oak Park, Illinois. Last week, we featured a conversation with Brother John Glassnap, a Benedictine monk of St. Meinrad Arch Abbey in southern Indiana, and we talked about the psychological and historical reasons as to why simple, repeated music, including today, is so successful. And so today, part three, we widen the stage and we reframe the conversation. I spoke with Lauren and Dave Moore this week about the power behind simple refrains such as Tizay that are repeated consistently over time. You see, Lauren and Dave are the minds behind the Catholic Music Initiative, a sacred music collaboration based in the Dallas area. The Catholic Music Initiative's goal is to compose beautiful liturgical music, to create a collaborative platform that leavens the heritage of our faith through the formation of dedicated composers and musicians, giving glory to God, and to bring the focus back to Jesus in the Eucharist with nights of adoration, solid Catholic hymns, and education in our history and tradition. 
So today we consider the likeness between contemporary Catholic and just Christian music and Tizay music. How are they similar? Can we embrace the idea of simple music altogether to unify our communities, especially in a time when congregational singing is only just returning to many of our churches? Lauren and Dave join me from their home in Dallas, Texas. Today on Ministry Monday, I'm talking to Dave and Lauren Moore. How are you guys doing? We're great. We're great. We're happy to be here with (laughs) you. This is awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I asked you to chat with me today because we have been talking on Ministry Monday for the past few weeks about Taze music, but really at the base of it, music that is simple in nature or simple in, in text so that we can really sit with the message and sit with the spirit and kind of take the pressure off, if you will, um, and just allow the message to, to sink in with us and with others who are worshiping with us. And so that's why I hoped to talk with you two today. Um, so for those who don't know on the call on our chat today, um, you know, what do you both do in ministry? Yeah. Uh, Well, we have recently started a nonprofit called Catholic Music Initiative, where we're just writing singable mass music. That really is like the essence of what we're after. Um, We work around the diocese here um, doing music um, in Dallas. And so that's pretty much what we're doing full time. And if you would have asked me, um, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, what I thought I'd be doing, I thought I'd be singing arias or doing Broadway shows. And so my, my roots are more in that classical, classical background. And so, yeah, we, uh, and that's how Dave and I met was really church and music and, you know, developing that together through, through a long series of, you know, trial and errors. <laughs> yeah, I was I was like a little emo kid in high school and played in like rock bands and um but I also was an altar server um for my parish in um very traditional community like started off like trying to learn to play the organ and studied latin and like got my surplus crusade in Rome super like traditional you know, experience growing up. And then like all of a sudden, like I'm wanting to do the rock and roll thing. And then I meet Lauren and she's like professionally trained. And I just knew how to like do a good performance with monitors that were terrible. And, you know, I, I, uh, we kind of came together and in, in where we're at currently, uh, we, we're the Bishop's broadcast musicians here in the diocese, as well as we, we work at a few different parishes and, and um, yes, the nonprofit has been near and dear to our hearts. But I think I think the the like most important thing to convey about our story is that like we came from two different sides of the musical equation, sides that don't always play well together. And so you know, being like an engineer who was a singer songwriter and falling in love with a girl who was like an operatic powerhouse and learning to like mesh together. That's that's kind of yeah. what we're doing here, prayerfully and humbly as we can serve. So, I think that sets a really good stage for us to talk a little bit about your style and your philosophy when it comes to, like you said, some of the compositions that you both have been working on. So what are some of the driving forces or your philosophy behind that music? Yeah, you know, gr- growing up, 
I would write a song a day um, when I was like commuting back and forth to Nashville and working with studios and also producing records for people like I was I was really trying to write a song a day. I didn't always do that, but um, from start to finish to accomplish a piece of work um, back in 2011, um, 2013 area. Um, I had the opportunity to work on a few of Matt Mars tours and obviously Matt is one of the greatest songwriters of the of the day right um, uh, won the BMI songwriter of the year award um, and one of the things that I admired about Matt was he had a knack for like really leaving his antenna on in situational uh, moments where he could like really feel the empathy of a person and um in in articulate it through a song and so for for the songwriting element uh in our kind of lives we i think started straying from okay let's force write this because we have to and rather like i really feel like the spirit is calling us towards this and our antenna is on and as the minstrels who are going to hopefully put a prayer on the tongue of the worshiper we are able to take this um, this this moment, this feeling, this hurt, this this joy, whatever it may be, and be able to articulate it so that the people in the pews can fully enter into that prayer moment and further into full union with God in the Mass or an experience in adoration, wherever it may be. So. So that's kind of where the songwriting, it, it, it comes from situations in people. And, and I don't know if that's really said well. Um, yeah, I, I think one of the other places where it really springs forth from is, for example, here in Dallas, we, we um, partner with a church that does a night of worship called Exalt. And yeah. it's uh, it's got a, a message at the beginning and then it has um, some adoration and we, we do music with prayer, reflections, adoration. And I think that Tizé type of that repetitive nature, um, sometimes I remember the time that you came up with the, you're the king of my heart. Yeah. You just say, sang it over and over again. And it was truly, yeah. you know, in the moment, it wasn't on like the list of songs we were going to do, but there was something within the talk that I think you drew from and you know just the sense of the the spirit in the room and it just sort of yeah. it started to rise up and it helped people just pray more in that space yeah. it was it was powerful yeah th that was restored actually mm -hmm. yep. you know as well like um we were I, I mean i don't know what was on my heart but i i i just could feel this tension in the room and i i, I mean it's just like like the weight of it was on my shoulders. I felt it. And, um, and just going to the Lord and saying like, 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 I want to know you more. And, and I, I know that there's a wall here. Like, how do I break down that wall? And all of a sudden, as I'm like humming during this time of silence, I started like singing, you're the one that my heart loves. You're the one that I adore. Like you look beyond my lies and my scars and you offer your sacred heart. Like the idea that your mercy is greater than my greatest failing. And, um, and like, you are my hope, you are my restoration. And, and honestly just started repeating that line over and over and over again. And the room just like lit up and just praise. And it was incredible because, um, 
I never had an intention of that becoming a song. It was just this manifestation of the outpouring of my heart to try and try and be vulnerable with God, which led to everyone else in the room being more vulnerable. And, you know, I think a lot of times as worship leaders, like, like we go into a situation and it's like, we pull from like this place or that place. Maybe it's a mechanism, maybe it's a comfortability. Uh, I, I, I don't know, but like, it's very easy to like pull on what we know. And sometimes like, I feel like, we're being called to like step into the room as leaders and be like, I know the Lord. I, I was just with him and I'm wanting to be vulnerable with him here and set a stage so that you can now be vulnerable with him. And so like beginning with that outpouring of our own heart and it's that that led to that. And then like two months later, the youth conference uh, the, of the diocese of Dallas was called restored. And I'm like, like, can you write a theme song? For yeah, us? yeah. And I'm, like, song? and I'm like, nope. But uh, but I kind of started praying about it. And I was like, oh, man, like to understand that God looks beyond my failings, like. Like, like that, that has a lot to do with restoration, like my savior and my friend would constantly be there to walk with me on this journey even when I turn away, like even when I'm not faithful, he is faithful. And I feel restoration in that truth, you know? And so all of a sudden this chorus spontaneously comes together with something that like, we almost had to go back and like, remember yeah. what I had sang <laughs> two months prior, right? Yeah, right. It all came together. And so that's a long answer for that, but no, but it's perfect, actually. Yeah. So I, I kind of want to stay on this for just a second. So you've mentioned, of course, the, the spontaneous nature of that particular song. Um, what have you witnessed in your time ministering in terms of simple, repetitive refrains and their effect on a community as they worship at something like this? Yeah. You know, I think there's such strength in the repetition. You know, you notice like when we're praying the rosary, like yes. we continue to repeat, repeat, repeat. And mm -hmm. there's something about um, that repetition in worship that allows us to move beyond the words that we're singing. And it, all, yeah. it just starts to become written on our heart, right? And so um, for me, like I, I pray often, like I'm going to sing this until I'm convinced. Right. And sometimes I'll even invite people to that. Like, let's, let's pray this until we're convinced. Like you are good. You are good. Oh, good. Right. And it's like, you're the King of my heart, whatever it may be. Great. Are you Lord? I, I mean, it could be many things. Um, yeah. Like I, I think that, um, I think that there's something to that. Um, do you yeah. have, I mean, I would, I would say that the, what I see in the community is, or I mean, for, first, first of all, personally feeling that I can get it to a more contemplative place mm -hmm. with that repetition. Um, I feel like without that, I feel like with just singing, you know, strophe after strophe, verse after verse of a song, sometimes you can just sort of get lost in, in the words rather than letting God speak to our hearts through those moments of that, that lull and that repetition. And because there is that power in that melodic 
because we could, you know, we could simply take the music away and it could be repetitive. But when you add the musical element of that repetition, it is that it's like that praying twice sort of thing that happens. Mm. And that, um, and we just remember music so well. And so, and even in, in the moment in the communities, I just feel are, it, there's just a prayerfulness that comes about when, when there is that repetition. It is, a, it's freedom. It's, it is total freedom. Yeah. yeah. Can we talk also about range? I think that's something that I personally don't talk a lot about, but vocal range for these types of songs. Have you noticed if they need to stay in a certain range or do you avoid high and low? What, what do you do? Man, I got to, this, this reminds me of a story. I don't know if you yeah, remember yeah. The, the very first worship leader conference that we ever went to, um, these three pastors, Phillips, Craig, and Dean, got up on stage and sang How Great Is Our God by Chris Tomlin. Mm -hmm. But before they went into it, they jokingly were like, we're definitely not going to do this in C. Some people obviously don't know what corporate or congregational worship should be sung in. <laughs> and like, all of a sudden, like, is there like totally trolling? Chris Tomlin's recording, Chris Tomlin like walks out on stage and he's like, oh really? You know, and it was like this funny thing where they were like, well, you can sing with us, but we're singing in B flat, you know, and it was, it was pretty funny. Um, yeah, I think, you know, one of our core values that we've been um, just like really praying on recently is like artistic ambition, um, Versus well, like yeah, service. versus, yeah, like, what is the actual Like leading format? from a servant heart, you yeah. know, like with the congregation in mind, because it, it can easily become about us. Yeah, so yeah. artistic, uh, uh, serving the bride of Christ always supersedes artistic mm. ambition. That was yeah. the core value. Yeah. It's new enough that we, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. so now you know, core value. Um, but anyways, yeah, I think, um, I think it's very different. Like one of my favorite things to do is to sing at like a nursing home because like people are so hungry for those hymns that they love and for, for just an inkling of, of joy. Right. And so when I enter in a place like a nursing home, like I am probably going to sing how great thou art or any repetition, spontaneous song, in a lower key. So instead of singing in A, I'm going to do it in G probably, you know, um, if I'm in a young adult circle where people like literally want to rage in worship, <laughs> right? It's like, okay, like let's do B flat and we'll do octave jumps when we feel the moment is growing to that, to that place. But yeah, I'd, I'd say like, you'll see a lot of the more contemporary worship songs, um, in that, B to B flat range. A lot of times, if just judging the room in my own personal range, like recently with allergies, I take it down to the key of A. You know, I can still make an octave jump in Lord, I Need You and have that power um, while not like, I don't know, busting through the roof and. <laughs> oh! <you know. laughs> well, I, I bring know. that. I bring that up too, because one of the things that I've been very aware of is that for many congregations in the United States, as we record this, we are in the early stages of truly rebuilding and reopening in light of COVID-19. And so many of our parishioners may not have been singing very much 
where if they were attending worship normally, they were naturally exercising their vocal cords previously. And now it's probably been about a year since at least a lot of regions in the United States have been singing. And so I ask that for that reason, because um, I do think that's one of the advantages of some of the Tizay style and contemporary Catholic music, especially with the small refrains, is that it often can be in a pretty comfortable range which I do think is something that actually could be a great advantage as people are bringing back congregations. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think that's so true. And I would say, you know, yeah, like staying with, just staying within the lower three lines of the staff, you mm. will, you'll get your congregation to, to sing along. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like once you start working past the, the Passaggio range and up into the, the upper staves, that's where we just lose some people who aren't as comfortable or trained um, I love pistachios. <laughs> <laughs> but some people have allergies, Dave. And so we need to be aware of that. We need to be aware of that. <laughs> that was the cheesiest joke of the day. Yes. <laughs> Thank you to you both for the laugh. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, so what are some of your other, if you don't mind, what are some of your own favorite songs, maybe the things that you wrote um, or other songs that really have been touching you both lately? You want to go first? That's a good question. You know, I would say, oh man, we've been so, we've been singing a lot of songs lately. Um, all is all is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. Like that that hymn has really been been sticking with me. I know there's like two there's like a Catholic and a Protestant version, but mm -hmm. they are that song um, is really simple to sing and it's in such a great it it can be done in such a good key so that's really been been hitting home and especially because i think in these you know more troubled times people have been feeling that that just stirring of anxiousness and just not knowing what's coming next and that that just proclaiming it as well it is well it is well i mean it's simple you don't have you can memorize it after two times of hearing it <laughs> that that song has really been been uh, been sitting with me yeah i i'd say for me um there's a song that i wrote it's kind of in the middle of of covid called lord of gladness um we're about to officially release it but um it's it's kind of you can you can make an octave jump if you need to, but it, it sits very nice and is somewhat hymn-like um, in its structure. Uh, but the bridge of the song says, um, when, when darkness comes, I, I won't run. I'll stand on your promise. Not faith in my weakness as I rely on your strength. I'll delight in uncertainty as I'm rejoicing in you. And I'm sitting here like that's been my prayer through COVID. Um, that's been my prayer through a lot of times in my life. And I, I hope that God puts another 500 of these songs <laughs> and these moments on my heart, whether they're intended for anybody else to hear or not, because yeah, he, he met me in a time of desolation. And, uh, and so that's been kind of the song that I've been working on. Um, Lauren and I are going to finish recording it, I guess this month. Yep. Um, so, um, I'll share that with with you as soon as we're done. Um, yeah, that'd be great. The Gettys um, recently, like mm. their hymn stuff, has really been kind of hit me. Um, 
I've been going back to Bernadette Farrell's music a lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh God, you search me and you know mm. me. Um, mm. I, I don't know why, like I get to verse four, it's like you gave me life within my mother's womb for the wonder of who I am, I praise you. Like, I, I like am lucky if I make it out of that song with a dry <laughs> eye, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, and I even like, I know it's written in D, but um, like sometimes even doing it in C is really lovely and might make it easier for the congregation to like, it's more approachable mm-hmm. and you can hit it easier. Mm-hmm. Um, if I come up with another one, I'll let you know. Okay. All right. That sounds good. One of the thing too, I do want to mention too, is of course, we've been talking about small refrains over and over again in worship in different ways. Um, one of the things, I don't know how it is with you guys down in Dallas, but at least in the Northeast part of the country, we have not been encouraged to bring hymnals back yet because it's a touch shared surface. And again, by the time this airs could change, it's, you know, we record this a couple of weeks out, but as of right now, because it's a shared surface, we're currently not being encouraged to bring them back just yet. And so there is something so beautiful about simple music, whether it's contemporary or more to say, like, because it, it doesn't require, the congregation to have a hymnal in their hands. And in that way too, I do think that small refrains help congregations build confidence in their singing abilities. Because again, that is something that has been missing for a year for a lot of places. We may have sung a little bit here and there, but you know, for the fullest expression of what they know and expect, we I'm not sure we've been able to offer that lately. So there's something about simplicity. There's something about, um, you know, kind of just examining what our parish needs right now that I also think has a very big unifying effect. Um, and so I think this music is perfect. So my last question for you is if someone wanted to maybe start having Eucharistic adoration at their parish, this is something that they really felt strongly about. Maybe it's something that started to grow during COVID and now they want to bring it back. Um, are there any specific songs that you both would recommend for that? I would definitely, I mean, obviously like the, the Lord, I need you's and, and, uh, you know, we've been, I've been digging back into some of the old, um, song, older songs, like, like we brought back all in all recently. Um, and, um, kind of not, not modernized it, but instead of doing the all in all, right, just you are my all in all, you know, just like kind of simplifying and, mm-hmm. and um, taking out kind of some of the movement. Um, yeah. Getting back to um, another one we brought back recently was like give thanks with a grateful heart. Mm-hmm. And it's like, um so yeah i think there's kind of like what i guess it's the youth 2000 list and stuff like from the early charismatic stuff um i i think you can find some really beautiful nuggets in there that you can draw from and they just really kind of create an atmosphere for people to enter in I think a, a, one of the parameters that we sort of look at when we're looking at, you know, is this fit for adoration or is this fit for more of like somebody else's devotional time? It's like, is it, is the, are the words like to Jesus directly? That's true. Yeah. That's sort of, I think one of our, 
like what we've been trying to do. So instead of singing songs like how he loves us and sort of talking about it, like singing yeah. directly to Jesus, like you are the king of my heart mm. or. You know. That is right. And there are a few times where there's an exception to the rule. If yeah. like thematically, if it matches up with a talk or something like that. Um, yeah. Right. But yeah, I would say, you know, like even recently we've been planning less on our set lists for adoration and like really been praying for like a word or a phrase and almost treating it like an antiphon. And so like, mm -hmm. say you're coming out of a period of silence and you're like, I am really feeling called to talk about like, like worthiness. Right. And, and maybe like you find a melody, like, and, and you start proclaiming, God, you are worthy. It is in you that I find my worth. Every good and perfect gift comes from your heart. And I praise you with all that I am. And all of a sudden, like you're just, just pouring out like a, a phrase. And that was an extensive phrase, but I'm saying a phrase. And you're doing it in a key. And all of a sudden, like everyone's praying that. And then you move into maybe not an entire song, but a chorus of here I am to worship. Hmm. Maybe a chorus of or here Lord. I am, Lord. Yeah, <laughs> or, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Here I am, Lord. Is it I, Lord? I've heard you calling in the night, and 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 just like kind of like adding disruptors of multiple different songs that like you're taking from a chorus or a bridge that everyone will know. Yeah. And um, I'll share one thing that kind of morphs to what we're talking about now, and then also your previous kind of statement about you know people with choirs and getting back in and not having hymnals but I'll never forget the first time that I kind of got a full-time church job I was very young um, I was doing music and I inherited this choir that was very opinionated very very sassy um, and, uh, you know uh, this 50 year old man through literally a fit and like went and sat in the corner uh when i didn't give him the christmas solo and i didn't know that not giving him the christmas solo was like i didn't know he had the christmas solo so <laughs> i was able to lovingly bring him into the fold for that christmas but i also realized like in empowering him and letting him know that he was loved mm -hmm. that this also wasn't an attitude or a um kind of a, a healthy thing for the choir moving forward to have situations like this. Right. So I am, um, I'm applying this in this way. My answer to that was to come up with a schematic for the church and to disband my choir for a few years to ask them to basically sit in different parts of the church. Mm -hmm. And if, if every one of the choir members took up like every eight pews, their singing loud would empower and give permission to those who are on the fence. And I think like that idea applies itself not only in an adoration situation, but for those who are struggling to get their congregation involved coming back to mass, mm -hmm. because that permission, that singing church really like it, it makes a difference when you have people who are confident in the pews. And then once you've gotten it to the point where everyone's like really back in tune again, 
um, and singing loud, then then like bringing and beefing up the choir again. And, and it was that two year um, experiment, what, what have you, whatever yeah. it was, um, that actually led to us becoming probably the loudest singing church I've ever been a part of. Wow. Uh, it was yeah. really incredible. <laughs> um, and the choir members did feel appreciated because they felt yeah. like they had a role to play. Yes. Yeah. Really bring people along and singing and they were, they were down. Yeah. We, we never <laughs> tend to devalue the choir members. That's, right. that wasn't the idea, but rather yeah. to say in the heart of ministry, as we're mm -hmm. trying to grow our parish, we actually need you to take one for the team. If you, if you don't like it, maybe you do like it. You can sit with your family, whatever, but we need you here. Right. And it, if, if in six months this isn't working, then let's get back to what we were doing before. But let's mm -hmm. try this. Right. And it was explosive. It was so cool. And everyone really not only felt love, but the church rose up. It, it brought us more unity. So, mm, I love that yeah. so much. Cool. So any closing thoughts before we wrap up? For somebody who's wanting to get more into the antiphonal um, mm -hmm kind of worship, um, which, you know, has to do with that spontaneity, but also that repetition. Um, I, I would really encourage somebody looking to do that to maybe look at the harp and bowl model. Um, it's, uh, it's based on, I think it's like Revelation 5.8. There's a lot of people who use that style of worship model. Um, the CFRs, the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal use it. International House of Prayer. It's, you know, a lot of this Tizay harp and bowl, like it is a very ecumenical mm -hmm. um, approach to worship. And I think that, that that is rooted in this desire to to invite and to welcome people into the presence of God. Yep. And I think one of the things that at times we can we can struggle with in the Catholic Church because we have so much like beauty and richness, richness yeah, in our ministry. art and our music in our ministry yeah. mm -hmm. yes exactly and so you know for someone who maybe doesn't really realize that we believe in jesus in the eucharist or like that like we consider these certain things to be sacraments or whatever right it's like they walk into the doors of the church and they experience beauty and richness but as far as their conscious active participation they maybe don't know where to begin. And mm -hmm. so a, a step like this can be that invitation, olive um, yeah. that olive branch. Yeah. I think the other thing that I'll say is like, I know a lot of people fear the spontaneous, you know? Um, and I would, I would say to them that I also fear the spontaneous because anytime like you get super vulnerable, the chances of you saying something dumb or incomplete, <laughs> they heighten. And for a guy like me, that is scary. And so I, I would just say like, have peace, right? And maybe it begins with like your own like prayer time in an adoration chapel, mm -hmm. but you know, the Holy spirit is not only the third person that, Holy Trinity, but if you are in tune with the Spirit, you cannot be out of order because the Holy Spirit is a God of order, and that that spontaneity that spontaneity is orderly, mm -hmm. and and the Holy Spirit is the God of the pageantry and the spontaneous and all these things when done through just um, not only an in tuneness but an openness to the Spirit, like. Even if it sounds dumb to us in the moment, maybe we don't fully understand. There's somebody there that receives something. 
And um, that heart, uh, that it usually bears great fruit, even if it's not our best performance. Um, and so I would just say, like, have confidence in that. Um, I'll, uh, not to continue talking, but, you know, my, I, several years ago, I released a song called Nothing Left to Prove on YouTube. It has like the least amount of views of any of my music. And a friend of mine really convinced me to put it out there. And uh, I got a call from a mitigation lawyer who his client who was on death row found that song. I don't know how any of that works. I'd never been in that high stakes of a prison before. I, I don't know how, but he wanted to know if I would be willing to pray with his client because it led to part of his conversion and his desire to know the Lord. And of all the stories in my life, of all the things that I've done, I can say that one song that I, I thought would never be a hit, would never do anything, and was basically kind of pushed to putting on the interwebs, like that bore more fruit than in, in its least amount of views than anything else I've ever done that I know of. And so I think that like stepping out in that faith, like really keeping your eyes on Jesus in the moments um, when leading the people like that, that is the answer, you know, and, and uh, it's scary, but it uh, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. And, and fruit will come from it. Wow. That's a beautiful story. Uh, just a touching story of the presence of the Lord. Wow. Lauren, do you have any other thoughts? Yeah, I, I would encourage, you know, I, I think there is definitely, there's in the past, I feel like there's been this sense of, you know, we want to do our best for our congregation. We want to present the best, um, you know, sh show different types and styles of music. Um, but I would encourage this type of tise and this type of repetitive um, structure of music. Maybe it's in an offertory song. Maybe it's in mm. a post-communion song. Yeah. Um, just trying it out, like trying it on um, and see how your congregation reacts to it and see, you know, and just and get a get a pulse of where your congregation is because you never know. I mean, it, it's, it's um, and it's something that can be done in parts. Let's say you have a beautiful, you know, you have the ability to have a full range of a choir, SATV, you, you can yeah. have these, these uh, Tizé melodies um, harmonized and it can still mm. be beautiful in its simplicity. Yes. So just because something is simple doesn't mean it's not, yeah, that it isn't beautiful. Like yeah. it can definitely have that same, a different, a different beauty. So. Yeah. Mm, yeah, that's good. Well, both of you have been so kind with your time and your sharing today. And thank you for everything you're doing in ministry, both in your local diocese and clearly, I mean, across the country and probably across the world. Thank you so much for everything you're doing in ministry right now. Thanks, Amanda. Thanks, Amanda. Thanks for having us. Thanks so much to Lauren and Dave for their time today. And thanks so much to David Anderson and Brother John Glassnap, who have contributed to this Tize Music series here on Ministry Monday. For more information about the Catholic Music Initiative and Tize, visit the show notes of this episode at ministrymonday.org.
The recording of You're the King of My Heart was written, produced, and provided by Dave and Lauren Moore. And the theme music of this episode was produced by Aaron Schaus. Today's episode of Ministry Monday was produced by me, Amanda Bruce. That's it for today. With the Spirit's gifts empowering us for the work of ministry, thanks for listening. Have a great week, keep listening, and we'll see you back here next Monday.